Hello, BNVU, and welcome to the That Guy's a Maniac, the podcast. The podcast that, that gives you the unenviable... Fuck, fuck you. Yeah, I, I, fuck. That's, that's what he decided to go with. A European introduction. Okay, fine. Okay. Are you done? Are you ready? Well, you built, you built it up. I was hoping for more, but... Okay. Fine. Well, I've not even fucking... You interrupted me after the first sentence. Well, right, I, okay. Maybe you didn't know. Shut up, shut up, just shut up. Let, let me finish it. Let me fucking finish it. Okay. <laughs> right. The podcast that gives you the unenviable insight into the creators and masterminds behind the second best video games website <laughs> ever. www.thatguys.co.uk <laughs> masterminds <laughs> masterminds yeah in this podcast series right. we discuss <laughs> the video games near and dear to us and give you uh, the listener the rare privilege of hearing <laughs> our poorly researched verbal dump we are your hosts My richie and farley so aka kunzi one one say hello farley yeah. <laughs> And tell us, Farley, where else can we be found? I um, fucking hate you. That was found. solid. That was solid, <laughs> man. You just you genuinely down, put me off. I'm sorry. I didn't. It was a weak start, but it it was really solid after that, and I I know ruined it. That would teach mm. me. Uh, you can find us all over the internet, really. At that guy's a maniac on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, that's it. Uh, you can also go directly to the blog www.thatguys.co.uk we, we actually had a non-podcast blog this quarter um, <laughs> so you might want to read you might want to read that yeah yeah in the past three months we've done something that isn't actually <laughs> about the podcast yeah. despite the hard rule that we set ourselves that we wouldn't just have podcast episode after podcast episode <laughs> Right, and do we have a sponsor for today, Farley? We do, of course. We couldn't bring this <laughs> this masterminded <laughs> content without support from our generous sponsors. And this week, we're sponsored by Eurocop for all your uh, ambiguous, uh, big, uh, evil cyber enhancement <laughs> corporation needs. Eurocop. Thanks, oh. Eurocop. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Eurocop. Without you, we couldn't do this. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> bringing on, it back to on. podcast number one. <laughs> Get them all out of your system. Right. <laughs> right, cool. Um, <laughs> okay. Today, we're going to discuss Amiga games. Amiga games. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. That makes Excited You're excited. How excited? And this, and this is timely. No, seven out of ten excited. Okay. Uh, because uh, in the timeline we're recording this in, High Score has just come out on Netflix. Have you watched that? Started watching that? I have no idea what it is. Tell me about it. Okay. So it's a history of video games series and we've seen a number of these in the past but it's quite a good one and quite a few of my friends uh some of whom play video games some of whom aren't are watching it um and it's quite well produced and it's not just the usual 
uh, you know, usual beats of history. We've got some cool, there's some cool interviews with people and objects and items. However, uh, I think we're only up to episode two or three. It is the Japanese and American history of video games. Maybe there's an episode coming up which kind of looks at what's happening in um, the UK or elsewhere. Uh, but that's always been one of the things I've been a little bit um, kind of not disappointed with, but in any history of video games where it talks about, you know, uh, arcades and then Atari and then Nintendo, um, because that wasn't really uh, my history in video no, games. I don't no. think many people in the UK uh, during the 80s, late 80s and 90s, it's theirs either. Uh, instead, you know, as we've mentioned a number of times, we didn't really have arcades here. Um, we didn't really have video game shops until really, really late. Uh, and so my formative years of playing video games on a TV, should we say, comes <laughs> from the Amiga. Um, like, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say maybe 10% of the games we had were legit games that we bought from the store. <laughs> 90% was this, um, uh, you know, uh, ripped floppy disk games that were being circulated around the network of dads and mums at the time. Yeah, um, so I, of- I was actually, I was thinking about that and whether or not to talk about that, but I remember like, the copy protection on floppy disks was a <laughs> yeah. it was like a little tiny little um, notch on the side <laughs> and in order for you to get around that copy protection you just put like a little piece of sticky tape over the corner of it and you could record yeah. it you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow <laughs> so um so yeah, when we did we did buy a few you know there was there was one um uh, it was more a computer shop than a game shop uh, in the city that I grew up in. And it's one of those ones where you walk in and it, and it looks like some kind of um, emergency relief type. You know, there's no decoration, very little furniture. Instead, it would be like <laughs> the, the kind of chipboard with the holes in and then just loads of shit in plastic bags. It's like, you know, joysticks in plastic bags, um, discs and, and manuals in plastic bags. Um, so that's yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of where we got some of the games. But then the rest, yeah, we we you know just get armfuls of um, uh, ripped games from each other and then, and then kind of trade them around. So it was kind of cool because you essentially was going in blind. Like all you had was a handwritten name of a game on the front, if you're lucky, uh, <laughs> and then you put it and then you put it in and then you say, hey, "What am I in for?" Um, <laughs> yeah, I. And that being said, I used to love um, the boxes Amiga games came in. Massively oversized, um, great big sort of A4 boxes that you would get um, for no good reason because it just yeah, collected, yeah, it just had like a couple of discs. And and I I did uh, decorate my teenage room by sort of pinning those boxes onto the wall um, so that I had like like a, a New Zealand story. Uh, box and all that sort of stuff, you know, just on the wall um, for the games I was playing. But yeah, I, I, it's weird that there, there was that concept of like, let's put something in an oversized box. I mean, technically, I suppose you do it nowadays with even sort of like Switch games, 
you know, there's no need for the amount of packaging that tiny little cartridge has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, but then, not with all games, but a lot of games just came with these lush manuals and posters and stickers. So yep. I remember for some reason, I had no idea, we bought Team Yankee, which is a, um, a tank sim, which is quite good, but so complicated that when we first got it, I didn't really understand. But then much later, it was a game that you could really get your teeth into. So it comes in this, like you say, this huge A4 box, which is, you know, 10 centimeters high as well. Um, but then it had this spiral bound um, manual, but really high production quality with all the different information about the different tanks and the different weapons. Then there was a fold out map of the areas. Uh, I think it also came with some kind of sticker as well. Um, you'd also get things like trading cards in them, posts. Yeah, so. There was other stuff that came in these open Yeah, I suppose that now you're kind of justifying it. There's also one other thing that always came in those boxes. Well, towards uh, the sort of middle of the Amiga's life cycle. And that was the piracy protection tool or whatever it was going to be. Do you remember yeah. these? Yeah, like... Yeah. Um, so it'd be like, enter the code from manual page, you know, 352. Because obviously, like they would produce these great big manuals and to put the copy protection in there, just so you could get past it. And uh, what was the other thing? I think another world. <clears throat> they had a really cool one, which was like a wheel. Yes. And you had to like spin it, and you had to choose the right ones in order to actually get into the game as well. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think um, FA18 Interceptor came with one of those one of those discs. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you'd have to you'd have to spin around. There's like a window in these concentric discs which you'd put the code in. Um, so yeah, perhaps why some of the games <laughs> came with those big boxes. <laughs> yep. Cool. So, what Amiga Great. did you have? Do you know what? I have no idea. To this day, I have no idea. Oh man. <laughs> Well, I had um, an Amiga 1200, which I was very, very chuffed about. And um, I, I remember the lead up to me actually getting it um, because previously I'd had uh, a Commodore 64. Um, and actually in the back of one of these um, Commodore 64 magazines, there was like these page ads of like um, computers and games that would be for sale. Um, and I actually had a little Google just to try and find um, what that company was, who they were, and like maybe even try and find um, the actual product that I did have. And I found it. Yeah. And I actually found the A4 scan of the page <laughs> <laughs> from the magazine that I actually wow. bought it from. There's a company called Silica Computer and Games. Um, and when I when I read it, I was like, Silica, yeah, and it was just like a big nostalgia hit. And basically they had these page spreads with deals on different versions, and I could see them, they were really, really bigging up the 1200 because it was the Amiga with AGA graphics. To this day, no idea what AGA means, but apparently it's better <laughs> than the, <laughs> the Amiga 600. And I was hoping you were going to say Amiga 600 so I could boast and brag, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just inspired by what you were saying. I'm just looking. I don't think we had an Amiga 500. It had like a weird 
giant thing that he plugged into the side. A giant thing? Thing? What do you mean? Uh, so it looked, it looked like, you know, your standard uh, Amiga kind of keyboard and then that, that weird little power pack and the clicky mouse, but then there was a chunky thing, like an oversized dongle that you'd put in the side. I've, I have no concept of what you're... Oh, and it wait a minute. A, it the hard drive. Commodore, Commodore it was it the hard drive that you plugged into the side of it. Uh, maybe? Yes. Yeah, look up uh, Amiga 500 hard drive. This is really interesting for everyone at home. <laughs> Absolutely something we could not have done before. Yeah, yeah. Was no, it the hard drive? Mm. It's a great big chunky thing. It's, it sits yeah, on, it sits on yeah. the side. I, who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, because that was like that was the way to to do all of the the super hacking. I <laughs> and keep like uh, hooky copies of the games and stuff like that. But I just like redid everything on uh, floppy. Not that I ever did any any illegal piracy or anything like that. <laughs> just, just in case. But yeah, I actually just in case ended up... the Bitmap brothers are going to come after you. <laughs> piracy. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, yeah, I, I actually found the bundle that I bought as well, which was, well, I, I didn't buy it. Obviously, I was what, I think, I was quite young, so <clears throat> Mother Dearest bought it for me. Um, but yeah, it was... Um, it was the Race and Chase Pack, and it was called the Race and Chase Pack because it had Nigel Mansell's Formula One Racing and Trolls, the platform game. So I'm guessing Race was the Formula One thing and Chase was Trolls platforming. Um, <laughs> but along with that, they like they kept on pimping these like um, big packs of games. Um, software bundles and things like that which were basically they used to pimp it as like 800 pounds worth of you know ah, yeah. coding and all this sort of stuff <laughs> and, you, and um, you're like alright okay and I think you get it for like 50 quid if you buy you know a, a, an Amiga from them and it included stuff like um, I remember it was like a paint tool called Photon Paint and there was a thing called uh, GFA Basic, which allowed you to do basic programming. Great. And a whole bunch of other games, because uh, it included things like uh, Pinball Dreams, Zool, Syndicate, um, and Elite 2 Frontier as well. So it was all this uh, sort of big bundle uh, of games and tools, which you just got free, as they said, with um, your Amiga 1200 when you bought it. But yeah. Um, so I yeah. just whilst you were rambling on and I wasn't listening, uh, I, I, I was listening, um, and I'd be interested to talk to you about Elite as well if you played it. I just found the bundle that we got, so we did have an Omega Five Hundred, and we got the Batman pack. Yeah, that was um, a popular one. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> which came in this big box, which for some reason everything was carved into stone, and it came with Batman, which is rubbish. Um, New Zealand Story, FA18 Interceptor, and Deluxe Paint 2. That was the pack we got. Deluxe Paint, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we spent hours on Deluxe Paint, anyway. <laughs> wow. 
cool. That's awesome. Right, so you had an Amiga 500 and I had an Amiga 1200, thus proving I do have a bigger willy than you. So, you know. Well, I don't more. know. I mean, <clears throat> you've Johnny come lately if you were getting an Amiga 1200 now. Yeah, that's a true. Good point. <laughs> I, was, I was in on the ground with uh, when it was, you know, just working with independent filmmakers yeah, such as such as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Ocean Games, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> they used to do all of the movie tie-ins. Like Ocean used to get like uh, Robocop and Nightbreed. Oh and, God, uh, yeah, we had all of those as well. <laughs> <laughs> All not, all not very good. They were the same game over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, they weren't very good. Uh, and I remember, I remember it's a, Batman's not on my list, so I'm going to we'll talk about it now. Um, it was hilarious because uh, he couldn't fall too far or he, or he died, which isn't a very Batman thing. So there was, you know, there was some jumps. He had this really awkward uh, grapple hook that you could kind of only fire off diagonally, which is an absolute pain in the ass with a joystick to get. Uh, and so if you didn't actually get the grapple hook and just walked off the edge, you'd fall, you know, centimeters, wouldn't even roll the screen and he'd die. But instead of falling over and dying, he'd just kind of land and then hunch up in a ball. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, wow, that, 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 I know exactly really what you're talking about, yeah, <laughs> well, it but it's weird, job. that Batman game that you're talking about is based yeah. on the Jack Nicholson movie, uh, Michael Keaton, yes. Jack Nicholson one, and um, I think that's actually like a highly regarded game for like, really? uh, I think the SNES or the Mega Drive, and it's just like, yeah, this is like really, really good early platformer um but i'm guessing the amiga version of it wasn't very good i i think it was uh doing diagonals with the joystick just one yeah yeah no no no. i mean no, that's yeah oh dear <laughs> it doesn't at all now i remember that quite frequently with pretty much all platformers even on the commodore 64 just I don't know. It it took me a while when I, I sort of first started playing a what's it called, uh, like a master system or something like that, and actually having a button to jump. Yeah. I thought, yeah, yeah. Why is there a button to jump when you've clearly got an up button? And now you just never look back. <laughs> you know, yeah. that is that is the way you should have always been as a button to jump. <laughs> and I, I just I just really fondly remember that you know that motion of okay, I've got a jump coming up, and just like. Yanking, yank <laughs> the joystick up into the, the top right-hand corner, and instead um, you would just like jump upwards, or you would just yeah, fall or off you'd the ledge. Run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <you'd> run. <laughs> um, oh dear. And so we just, we just. Um, I don't know if it's the same with you, um, but you know, you have those joysticks. They have suckers on the bottom. Yeah. Um, you detach the desk, and we just went through. Dozens of them. They were just, they were just so crap. I think. And well, obviously we we played a lot as well. But yeah, it was. I had quite a few uh, few joysticks like that. But I also actually had. Um, uh, I think it was the Mega Drive uh, control pad, which actually fit into the Amiga um, port, and you could use Mega Drive control pads for things as well. But uh, because it was stupid, you still had to press up. 
to jump as well, and that just doesn't work <laughs> in a on a joypad. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I remember having. In fact, I went to a very similar um, store like the one that you were describing, which has everything in plastic bags. And in fact, it was the Barras, um, <laughs> which was in the nineties a marketplace um, in Glasgow, which basically just sold hooky everything. Um, okay. You know, <laughs> it would have a stall. You know, it'd have a legit stall where, like, there was, like, a butcher who was selling meat, and then beside it, there'd be a guy, you know, serving, serving you know, Golden Virginia in, in massive big boxes that he'd clearly bought from, you know, <laughs> Poland or something like that. Um, and then you would have, like, places that just sold balaclavas, you know, because... <laughs> <laughs> and then and the next door would be the crowbar man exactly <laughs> next door uh, but, to that would be the swag bag man but yeah there was loads of um, uh, computer shops at the barras and basically they were office clearance places so you would go there and you would buy like an old windows 3.1 pc for 50 quid which you know they'd all got from an office that had been shut down yeah. but also right beside them you would have the pirate in place, which uh, who would like in later years actually made uh, CDs. Like they before we had CD uh, read RWs. Yeah, there used to be like these places that would make CDs, and you could go in and say, "I want this game, that game, this game from big catalog," <laughs> and then they would put it on the CD for you, and you go back with a sort of gold pressed CD uh, <laughs> with all of these um, illegal games on them. Not that I know anything about this, uh, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but they also sold uh, peripherals, and one of the ones that I got was this giant, massive. Um, uh, What's it called? Joystick, and it was, it was ridiculous. I, I don't think I could even probably find it on the net anymore. But it, it had this. The joystick came out the side of it. It was kind of like I think supposed to be for like flight sims or something like that. Or mm. nowadays you would use it on flight sims, but obviously it had like two buttons you know your trigger button and the other button um and that was it but it was just massively oversized now you used to use that to play play um video games with and of course this great big hefty clumpy bastard does not make diagonal jumping any easier in any fashion whatsoever <laughs> but yeah oh right do we have any other oh, no. memories to get nostalgic about, or shall we nice shall we jump? Hmm? Wander down nostalgia lane. No, I think I think I got everything I want to get out. Out. Yeah, I suppose the other thing, just to very very quickly um, touch on, is do you remember that you used to have to, for some games, load into Amiga Workbench before you could actually load the games? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Workbench. Uh, there's yeah. still people out there to this day who use that operating system and are updating it and are trying to make it for the PC. <laughs> yes, uh, when I was when I was doing some research on the games we had and the stuff we had, you know. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Sorry, hold, hold the fucking phone. You tell me you're doing research for our podcast. I did. I did <laughs> two minutes before we came. All right, okay. I did a little. That's bit a lot. That's a lot. Okay. Um. <laughs> But yeah, you know, there were people who were keeping these these things going. Uh, there's obviously a huge emulation scene. Um, but I think there are people who actually kind of work on the hardware as well. So if you want that 
legit uh, Amiga 500 experience, um, but kind of keeping the hardware going. And um, I think I saw somebody like selling new, new inverted comma Amigas. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Ah. Okay, so let's let's actually uh, move on to and talk about the games. So we went away um, and we decided to bring three of our favourites. Now, I don't know what three you've chosen. You don't know what three I've chosen. Um, and this could be great, as in we may have played each other's games or not. Um, so we'll just see how it works out. So Farley, tell me, what's your first game that you remember so dearly from the Amiga? So uh, we've already mentioned it twice. It came with the Batman pack bundle. Uh, <laughs> and we played the shit out of it. And that is New Zealand Story. Ocean's New Zealand Story. Okay, um, so I have played that one. But... Yeah. On the Commodore 64, not on hey. the Amiga. <laughs> uh, Johnny yeah, late uh... to the party. <laughs> <laughs> You're playing it decades after <laughs> the uh, underground kid. The cool kids were playing on the Commodore. Um, <laughs> and it was uh, solid. Oh, God, here we go. Here's our, here's our rich vocabulary. Was, was it sassy? Was it like uh, all female characters in games? Was, was it sassy? It was, <laughs> sass, it was interesting. It was sassy. It was solid. <laughs> and it was phenomenal. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was really well done. No, but it was, it was a solid... Like, you know, cause some of the, we talked about how you trade these games and, and, um, and there were just so many games flying around. You had no idea the kind of quality or whether they were you know, published releases by coders or just something that somebody put together in their in their bedroom so there was a lot of shit out there and, and stuff that just didn't really work um uh, a lot of games are really fucking hard as well um yep. so batman yep. as you mentioned was solid robocop was solid nightbreed was solid of course this is like a you know shadow of the beast um, yeah yeah um, of course i mean another world is a perfect example yeah. of ridiculously hard games at that time yeah um, so you kind of, you know, if it was a bootleg and you didn't have the manual, uh, so you didn't really know what the controls were, either that didn't help. Uh, whereas New Zealand's story um, was fairly straightforward, had many levels to it. Um, so uh, every, I can't remember how many there was, but every time you killed X many number of enemies, they would drop an upgrade to your weapon system. So you'd start off yeah. with a little bow and arrow. You'd go through, I think the second one was bombs, then you ended up with and then uh, there's a weapon that we just called the cabbage thrower because it would throw around like a green fuzzy ball that would bounce around the screen. And then you'd upgrade, when you upgraded that, you upgraded to the laser, which is the best. Yeah, weapon. I remember the laser. It, was like, like, uh, it looked like the sort of the NES light gun and it just yes. fired the sort of white bolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it would cut, it would cut through the scenery so you could, uh, you could, you could um, shoot enemies. Uh, through the scenery, which was cool. Uh, the music was great. I've downloaded and still have the uh, New Zealand Story soundtrack. Was it great, or was it phenomenal, or was it sassy, or <laughs> <laughs> it was? It was actually phenomenal, technically phenomenal <laughs> on the on the Kanji One One uh, video game music assessment scale. 
the enemy design the enemy enemy design is really interesting um and you had just a really cool array of different enemy types one of which was they had a whole array of enemies which would float on balloons which you could yeah steal. and if you could um if you could shoot them off the balloons you could then use the balloons yeah and then just yeah. fly out through the level uh and there's like a evil cat uh and then the of course there was a time devil a time devil yeah and it was in devil devil <laughs> i'm sure it was in other ocean games actually so if you didn't if you were taking too long the time devil would come and start flying around and then uh, basically just get you so you could oh. just hang around yeah okay yeah that sounds very familiar is it um, bubble bubble did that have a time devil i know um what bubble bubble did was if you kind of um basically there was the enrage that you could get um when you only had one um enemy left in bubble wobble you know what i'm talking about uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but basically every enemy would enrage um but i think i don't know if there was a timer in in bubble wobble in fact i'm pretty sure there wasn't you could spend forever on one uh one um what's it called one level over and over in fact i i know exactly what level i spent forever doing yeah, it was the one where you had to <laughs> blow bubbles on the side and jump up because all uh, the enemies yeah, were yeah. up at the top on this tiny, yeah, tiny yeah. little ledge. Um, but yeah, um, I think they just enrage every so often. I don't think there's a timer, but uh, I might be wrong. Maybe okay. the arcade version has one or something. So yeah, so the, the time devil just looks like a little devil, horns, wings, pitchfork, carrying a clock. There are also uh, secret windmills, we used to call them, which would uh, take you to different levels. Oh, and then okay. at the end of each level, which was based around um, a real area of New Zealand, so like Auckland, Waitomo Caves, Mount Cook. Uh, so it's <laughs> naively kind of didn't, didn't, because we were young at the time, didn't put together that New Zealand story was actually set in New Zealand and it was actually New Zealand. <laughs> and the, main, the main character is a kiwi. Yeah. You know. Um, and the bosses, yeah, bosses are really cool. So there will be a whale that swallowed you. There was yep. like a creepy, creepy baby that would open its belly and fire <laughs> missiles at you. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced we ever completed it. Um, I, I mean, I played it on the Commodore 64, so all my right. memories yeah. are of... You beat it first time, okay. Oh, no, fuck off. I actually only ever got to the wheel <laughs> boss. Um, oh! Yeah. Um, so the only reason I remember and know that is on the Commodore 64, it was one of these ones where you had to load the tape um, and then it would load the boss. Um, so in between each level, you had to press play on the tape. And I remember waiting what was probably a longer time and I got to the wheel boss but it had been glitched. So it was uh, all just sort of messed up characters rather than the actual <laughs> whale that was floating about but it was whale shaped. Um, 
And yeah, like it was only many, many years later that I looked into this and like, oh right, okay, it was meant to actually be a whale because I just kind of <laughs> the glitch whale was always what I thought it was supposed to be, yeah. uh, and basically, I didn't win. And the idea of having to play through the entire game again while having to do that whole loading shit on the yeah. fucking <laughs> Commodore 64 did not appeal so that didn't really happen but yeah no, my memories of um, uh, New Zealand Story are very very pixel versions of all of the enemies you remember quite well yeah yeah, and like Cabbage Thrower yeah that's that that definitely resonated with me um, I, I know <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about there Cabbage Thrower the secret windmills and then um, enemies would spawn from like these mirror portals Yes. No. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> open up and they'd all come out. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you had the extend system. Oh, is that like um, you collect letters yeah, for extend or something? And what was the extend system? So the, the various letters spread around the level. And if you collected them to spell extend, I don't really know what happened. Did you get another life? Probably gave you an extra life, yeah. It's something rubbish. <laughs> the way the way you've sold that as the extend system, you know. Nowadays, if you were selling a game and you're saying now including the extend system, you, you know, it would be some sort of really crazy meta mechanic that you did on top <laughs> of the FPS, and depending on the certain skills that you'd taken in your tree, would you know fire off limit breaks or some sort of shit like that. But the extend system is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just collect all of these and you get an extra life, like the Yoshi coins in the fucking Mario world. <laughs> well, anyway, the only reason I said it's the extend system is because there are a number of games which had it, right? Yeah. Uh, we'd spell out the same extend. I don't know. Um, I used to, like, you used to get, like, bonus or extra. I don't think extend was uh, the normal word for these sort of things. No, but I mean, you'd, you'd literally collect the letters extend. Yeah, 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 I know. Uh, but that's what I mean. Like, um, you would collect the letters of a word and it would do something. <laughs> there are games where you would collect the specifically the letters in extend. Yeah, but you, I, I don't remember the extend as much as I do remember like the word extra or the word bonus in games like this. That's all I'm saying. Uh, what was the <laughs> other game? Was it Rainbow Islands? Um, definitely Rainbow Islands had some kind of a, a, a bonus um, thing going on. <laughs> it was the extend system. Really, was it? I'm sure it is. Okay. Oh man. I can cool. have to do a deep deep dive in the Titoverse extend system. Well, I mean, of course, since uh, but was was New Zealand was New yeah was New yeah. Zealand story um, title or uh, Tato? Yes, it was Tato. Um. And I don't know. I don't know if it was Tato and then released under Ocean or Ocean whatever. But oh, okay, yeah, they they might be like the US distributor. Of... Yeah, because it yeah, came cool. on 
the Taito Legends uh, PlayStation 2 game, which had all of these, so Bubble Bubble, yeah. uh, etc. Bubble Bubble also had the extend system, no? Um, I feel like... Listen to you, sandbagging <laughs> my extend system description. I really am. I'm, I'm so sorry that I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> so I just say it's a system because multiple games had exactly the same mechanic where you collected the letters the same color and extent okay 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 I, i'm gonna i'm gonna bow down to your um better knowledge of this one um well and judging from my google search and the one image i can find of the word extend on bubble bubble <laughs> uh, that's that's case case closed okay okay cool. absolutely I waffled on a new zealand story loved it but also it's one of the first one of our first games as well so it's kind of rare kind of rare I think that yeah, uh, your first game holds up um, and, and wasn't just a mess. I have no idea whether that was like a... Because uh, we didn't really have the concept of launches, right, with, with the Amigas? No, 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 no. Like, the closest you got to launch was um, reading about it in Amiga Power or Commodore, whatever, you know, and just sort of reading through it and then they're saying blah 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 should be out for Christmas and whether or not it came out for Christmas or not didn't really matter to you because it mattered as to whether or not your shop close by to you which sold the game got it in or not you know <laughs> so it's like whether it was a, a Woolworths or whatever great yeah. uh, tell me about one of your games so the first game I want to talk about is a game called Gravity Force 2. And now I think I, I've banged on about this. Banged on about? Bung on about? Bang, banged on about this bang, one before bang. to you. <laughs> Sounds a bit strange. Um, to you before. I, it also comes under the alternative title Gravity Power, uh, which I'll talk about in a second. But Gravity Force 2. Um, it's hard to describe this, so I'm going to try my best to. Um, it's basically a 2D sort of dog fighting sim, which kind of takes the element of turning left and right that you see in asteroids. You know, so you have the, the little ship in asteroids that can turn left and right, um, but spins round on the screen. Um, and then you can sort of move across the screen by thrusting sort of thing uh, by like, you know um, pressing the fire button and you sort of move in that direction um, and it basically <clears throat> takes those controls but adds it to a dog fighting thing and adds gravity so if you could imagine in, um, in asteroids your ship was constantly falling down yeah <laughs> you had to keep thrusting up the way in order to keep yourself level. So it's kind of like that. Um, and what Gravity Force 2 did was it just gave you a ton of levels um, to sort of do a little dogfight with your mate. It was a co-op game. Uh, not a co-op, a versus game. You were both looking at the same screen. You could still see the same thing going on, but you were basically... Um, flying your ship around which was fucking hard to do it was a hard thing to manoeuvre that ship because of the gravity and that 
thrust mechanic, but it had cool scenery, um, and you could do certain things uh, with the scenery. Um, so there was a sort of like there was a, a soft earth that you could fire through, or you could plunge your ship through, but that would uh, take some of your health off. But it, it would sort of save you in the middle of a dogfight sort of thing. Um, you had special powers as well so if you press back on the joystick and um, you could like fire off a homing missile or you could put on a shield which you chose before you actually went into the um into the level itself um and along with that um as well as like having soft scenery you had like hard scenery so you would have like metal girders and things like that that you just couldn't destroy in any fashion so there was always a, a, an element of trying to navigate in the empty space in between all of these uh, sort of uh, scenery that you've been given um, and yeah it's like uh, me and a friend of mine we pretty much did the conservatory king thing of um, playing that one over and over and over and over um, and because there were so many hundreds of levels it was really quite cool because we actually not spend the time dogfighting initially. It would yeah. be let's check out all of the hidden messages or the the cool little areas because sometimes they would just sort of create these mazes that was almost impossible to navigate unless you were really really slow and careful or like some sort of you know savant at um, these kind of <laughs> that particular um, control system. And, and it was really, really cool just to like have so much at your disposal to sort of play about with and see and and um, yeah, it was just a good co-op fighting dogfighty game. Do you get what I mean when I when I was sort of talking uh, about the controls? Yeah, so and, it's yeah. it's um, I think Astrolander, the mini game, one of the mini games you unlock in Time Splitters Two. Okay. Remember those? Nope. Uh, there were certain levels where if you belted through, um, you would find a little game hidden. So there's Anaconda, Astrolander, I can't remember the other one. Yes. Uh, and then, yes, I've just and... I just Googled um, <laughs> Astroland and yes, yeah. it's almost identical to that except it has more colours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's a very and then I think so was the original gravity force single player and you just had to get through levels or was it always caught um i uh, don't know i have no okay. idea I never played the original gravity force um and it was just uh it was i think it was possibly the same thing again but had less levels and less um what's it called uh, special uh, powers okay it's in yeah because in, in astralander phenomenal soundtrack by the way on the official system um <laughs> So could you could you do like three sixties? Uh, yeah. Like so you it, could be so so if you were really with it, you could be upside down thrusting so you're traveling in a certain direction, but then kind of firing at your enemy as you're you know yeah yeah exactly past. that yeah, yeah before then smashing into a wall because you couldn't yeah, write yourself yeah. properly. Exactly yeah. that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love. Do you know if, if Gravity Force was the original game that kind of invented this system? Because I feel like I've played a number of games 
I, I think it was. I think it was quite an early on um, uh, sort of game. Um, and it was, uh, it, I think it's two Swedish guys that actually created it. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, they very openly sort of say that it is based on sort of um, asteroids and that sort of thing. So um, I, I don't know if they had, um, I don't know if they had the, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know if they had the original idea, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Did you know that in 2015 they remade it? Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, yes. Way to fucking shit over my rest of the talking. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, come on. I don't even have a history with this game and I know this information off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, but yeah, so what I touched on earlier was uh, Gravity Power, which was basically... Um, I, it, it was the DLC um, in those days um, for Gravity Force 2. Um, and it came free with Amiga Power. Um, oh, yeah. And it... It was a much better version of Gravity Force 2 with even more levels and even more, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, weapons up, and power yeah, ups yeah. and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was a much, much better thing and it was free. That, that was the cool thing, you know, just like, I mean, fair enough, you bought the magazine. <laughs> but yeah, it was just so cool to get that. Um, upgrade to a game that I already loved and then an even better version of it um, which continued to be sort of played but yeah as you were saying and as you were putting on um, was yeah they have redone it um, it exists for pretty much all systems including Android and Windows and all that sort of stuff and I had a little go the other day there um, doesn't really stand the test of time <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> uh, nah, I mean it's fine, but uh, I think part of part of what was the fun in that game was essentially just you know I was sitting there with a mate, we we're both getting good at it, we we're doing exploration. I don't have the time, effort, energy, or willpower to sort of go <laughs> through that again, you know. Well, um, and as great as it was, I think it lives in the past. You can play it online, right? Uh, I think so. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, probably. Okay. Okay. Maybe we should get that going. Yeah, and we could uh, podcast it at the same time and uh, yeah, <laughs> do a video podcast. Um, but yeah, that that's as one of the ones that I wanted to talk to uh, talk about. Um, and the other thing I kind of wanted you... to sorry, go on. Did you have it as a box? product? Uh, no, no, I, I think Gary Force 2 I had as part of a demo disc on the front of oh, okay. uh, Amiga Power or something like that and then, you know, a year later Amiga Power brought out Gravity Power, you know, like that sort of okay. thing. Um, and a great deal of my Amiga discs were demo discs that were on the front of magazines for a long uh, yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, the other thing I sort of wanted to mention was like I briefly sort of discussed about uh, how you could sort of break the scenery and move the scenery uh, and then shoot it. Um, and it, what you were moving or what you were like uh, plowing through 
was the equivalent of like pixels and um, it's weird it started to think or remind me of how many other games on the uh, sort of on the Amiga at that time which were kind of two player co-op were all about sort of like destroying pixels almost and just to take it back to something that's a bit more familiar the original Worms I don't know did you play the original Worms? Yeah, we played a lot of the original ones. Yeah, and um, like you would fire bombs and they would like destroy that scenery, you know, you know, because there would be like this sort of um, implausible slice through the, the world where you would get grass on the land and you would somehow see the inside of the, yeah. the earth, which was somehow hovering above some more grass and the earth underneath it, you know. Um, but then you would actually destroy that and you would see like craters being made and you would see the little pixels falling down um which would create little mounds of dirt and things like that i think that was quite a cool concept i mean i know it probably still exists in much much better ways on 3d systems but i'm just it reminded me you know of that ability that like to almost like if you could fire, uh, I think you could fire things like um, dirt bombs at people as well, and you could like bury the worms in the dirt, and then they'd have to get out of it, which would like damage their health and that sort of thing. And and there was quite a few, especially demo games and things like that, that had this sort of pixels that would be representative of Earth and cover you up, or you'd have to dig through it similar to lemmings as well lemmings is a very good example of that um the original lemmings where you would like carve your way through the dark or you would make one explode but it would leave a crater and that sort of stuff so you, you had that sort of impact on the world um that you were yeah. sort of playing in yeah um Which then we yeah. saw a kind of uh a it was it like a I don't know a subgenre in 3D games? So uh, Red Faction always kind of yep. you know made a big thing of its scenery destruction, even though I mean you know to its credit it was it was uh, a, a nice gimmick to be blowing huge chunky walls, but then inevitably you'd hit like this you know indestructible metal plate that was secretly behind <laughs> every single yeah, wall yeah. and every single wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, um, and then uh was it black although there was less scenery to, well no it was scenery it wasn't kind of digging in the way you're talking about it was it was you know virtually anything in the level can 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 be destroyed so those i guess those are the, the sort of successes but I when suppose you, when minecraft you is um is the modern day equivalent uh yeah really. yeah Except the pixels oh, are just well. massive. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, yeah. I do do remember, you know, when we play like a four-player game of Worms, and you're down to the last two worms, and the level would just be completely, you know, unrecognizable to what you started with, and and half your turn would be trying to jump out of holes <laughs> to yeah. get onto like <laughs> yeah. a vantage point. Um, so you'd be standing on this tidy, like you know, impossible sliver of earth between two massive uh, um, craters in the in the land to try and get your to try and get your shot off. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah. Good times. Pixel destruction. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, sorry. I've gone off on one. So tell me, what's your second game that you wanted to talk about? Well, segueing um, nicely from what you said. Is it Worms? Uh, it's not Worms. <laughs> no, I didn't actually think of that. Um, weirdly, I guess it's quite late, I think. Um, there's Lemmings. So, ah, okay, um, cool. So, the Amiga in our house uh, was kind of everybody used it. It was, it was, it was really weird. So, my mum and dad would get into different games. Um, so, for a while, they were both obsessed with Hybris, um, you know, which is like a. Uh, it's not a bullet hell shooter. What do you call the shooters which vertical scrolling shooter? I don't know. You know, you fly as a little plane and go up. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, got... the, it, it technically is a bullet hell, it's just it wasn't as hellish as a bullet hell. <laughs> yeah, well they weren't it weren't they weren't bullet hell for a long <laughs> period of time and then they became anyway. So Hybris was one of those, a very good one of those, uh which they, they kind of really got into. And then Lemmings was one that that they also got really into and that we all got into as a, you know, we'd sit around as a family and um and kind of uh, play through the levels and i remember one one particular level had my dad so stumped that he'd be he'd like go to work thinking about it and he'd come back <laughs> from work and had, like, maps and diagrams of theories to try <laughs> um uh in order to get in order to get through these uh particularly yeah, particularly challenging levels where you know you, you've only got one digger, one pickaxe man, one builder, and yet somehow you have to get ninety lemmings. You know, yeah, across. Yeah, across across the thing. Um, so yeah, another. Uh, I mean, an, another uh, entry for for phenomenal soundtrack. Um, all the lemmings songs, even though some of them were based on. Uh, I think all of them were based on classical music. Uh, yeah, classical music or nursery rhymes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, the cat cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there were a few original, a few original tracks in there as well. Um, those were great. Uh, then you get those hellish levels where um, it would just be one long platform and then you had however many of those vertical diggers and you just had to catch as many guys as possible walking along yeah. um, uh, and to not lose them. Uh, then you had the kind of iconic, um, you know, self-destruct uh, thing. So if you were just frustrated, you'd like, fuck it, double-click at it, and you go, oh no, and they'll blow up. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, uh, love Lemmings. Still love Lemmings. A friend the other day was playing uh, was playing Lemmings and got stuck on a level and was sending screenshots and everyone was kind of feeding into how you should be. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, one of our earliest SNES games was Lemmings 2. Uh, did you ever play Lemmings 2? It was Tribes. Yeah, Lemmings 2 Tribes. I think um, I think it's one of these ones that I owned, but it didn't recapture Lemmings, the original no, one, so I wasn't it, interested. Yeah. It, it sort of did, but they changed it. They changed it. They made it bad. Uh, and so they had. It was, you, these different worlds we had different themes and yeah it wasn't lost some of that original um charm i think by, yeah. by trying to be a bit more characterful and appealing so, yeah yeah i mean it's like the later worm games as well like what's the point why, why are we doing this you'd lose <laughs> a lot of charm yeah yeah 
Yeah, well, yeah, when they became, you know, these bobble-headed cartoon characters, and, you know, it was it was much better when they were whatever a stack of five pixels, <laughs> and just you just had their their voice and their randomly generated name to kind of give them a bit of character, and often that worked fine. Yeah, yeah. I, and speaking of the voice, it's one thing I always find hilarious is I, I remember because uh, being the top-notch Billy Big Balls hacker that I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, hacking um, You could get the uh, the sound files from Worms on the Amiga and you, you used to have the ability on um, the workbench to sort of play around with sound files and mm-hmm. slow them down. And basically, because it was like created by, uh, I think it was like a teenager in his room, um, and uh, Team Seventeen like sort of bought it from him, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you slowed down all of the words uh, or the sounds and and worms, uh, and you actually just heard some guy sort of like speaking, going kamikaze. But because it'd been sped up, uh, you get so used to that, that. That was the effect they used, speeding it up yeah. <laughs> for all of the worm sound effects. You know, like I'll get you. It was actually just yeah. somebody going, I'll get you, and then it's getting sped up. <laughs> it was quite cool. You know, top-notch hacker, belly big balls. Top-notch <laughs> hacking, hacking away at the, the core, the source code of words to find out. <laughs> uh, if you've not played Lemmings, and I imagine there are a lot of people who haven't, uh, I'm sure there are various versions of it you could try out. Give it a go. Uh, uh, um, well, hang on, hang on. I cannot condone the use of or playing Lemmings the mobile game. Oh God! Okay, you, so you and your fucking—is there not any mobile? Is there a mobile game out there that you will not have a go at? Um, I like. I think there was a, a bit of hype about Torch this one. Torture yourself. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I, do. <laughs> I need to find out if they're any good yet or not. <laughs> Um, okay, so I was, I was, um, you probably told we probably had a conversation about it, but I've forgotten. I was unaware there was a Lemmings mobile game. Yeah, well, it's rubbish. Just don't, don't play the original one. Play the original one on the Amiga, which was actually actually ported to the um, Commodore sixty four uh, as well. So I had the Commodore sixty four version, um, and yeah. It's great. It's fantastic. Little pixels. Do the do the puzzles. Um, it's hard. It's fun. It's challenging. It's great. Yeah. Um, Save the lemmings. And it it, but, it taps into that same place that Pikmin does as well, which is unavoidable cute minion death. Yeah. Like your, heart, <laughs> your heart breaks every time you lose a lemming um or you know there are some levels where not every not ele- not every lemming can make it um so yeah yeah cool that's lemmings then that's lemmings what's your second game it's rodland <laughs> rodland was uh one of my favorites of the sort of one screen uh, single player or two player uh, sort of bubble bubble rainbow island style games and Rodland basically you were two 
highly Japanese characters with big hair, um, and you had a rod, you know, so so it's already living up to its title. Um, and were you in a land? Be, there was land as well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and basically through each level there is a number of enemies just walking back and forth similar to your bubble bobbles or your or whatever um, and you would grab them with your your rod and you would slam them back and forth um, so you'd sort of like grab them with the rod and then do 180 slam them over to the other side and then slam them over to the side kind of like the, the Hulk move um, on Loki in the in the Avengers, and then eventually, I think after three um, throwings of them back and forward, they would explode, um, and then you would get like fruit, or you would get bonus letters for the bonus system, um, which would uh, <laughs> give you a bonus level, I believe. I can't remember what the level. Was it extended? No, 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 no. I think it was. I think it was bonus. I'm pretty sure it was bonus or extra. Um, but it, it's not the extent. What it allowed it's you not to the extent do, system. Yeah, I like the extend system. Yeah. Uh, if you collected them all, all of the enemies would then turn into plants, which you would then collect, and that would kill them. But you would also get like extra bonus points. So your idea was just to run around the level, not hit them as much as possible, collect all of the other things so that you could do that bonus level to get extra points. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was fun. It was great. It had um, really messed up characters as well. Super Japanese um, madness. There was like um, one of the characters was a. It was called the Polymorph, which is quite cool because there was also like the Red Dwarf episode, just called Retro, and uh, the Polymorph as well. Um, but there was a, a little sea cucumber esque thing. Uh, it was pink and it would have it would basically turn itself inside out and sort of fire um, a great big long tongue at you um, and it would just crawl around but just you know because it is what it is <clears throat> it also had a pink bow so it had this weird disgusting yeah. pink sea cucumber thing and it had a pink bow um, yeah. just because it was hyper cutesy and stuff like that um, and yeah, you would go through the levels, you would try and complete them with the highest score possible, that sort of thing. You would then have boss fights, and I remember, I think it was, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I believe it was like a shark would occasionally just pop its head in from the side of the, the screen, and you had uh, ledges to sort of stand on, and instead of like um, capturing them with your rod, you just sort of had to like taser them. Um, a number of times whilst avoiding uh, whatever I don't know, probably mini sharks he was firing at you um, and I think most of the boss characters were like that, you just had to sort of jump around and make sure you weren't hit and just sort of taser them with your rod There was um, the one with six crocodiles, do you remember that one? Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of not sharks, yeah. it was crocodiles Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, And I think you could only fire them Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could only um, attack them when the mouth was open. But when the mouth was open, little birds were flying out of them. You know, because you get crocodiles. those... But was it little crocodiles? Yeah, I remember it being little crocodiles. I thought and it was then, birds, um... you know, like the cleaning teeth birds. Oh, yeah. You get on hippos. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that, that was uh, that was good. And of course, um, the <laughs> on the blog www.thatguy.co.uk, <laughs> yeah. I have a little ode to the Rodland Fairy. Uh, so, so, in so between... basically, <laughs> everything you've said so far is just dressing. It's a facade. The only reason that Rodland is on your list is because of the Rodland Fairy that you got. Which I think yeah. you got when you spelt extend, right? Extra. Extra. Um, I can't remember what was the rules for how you got the Rodland Fairy. <laughs> but yeah, basically it was like an anime character um, and she would just be there and give you like an extra life or whatever. Um in between the the levels and i think and just describe i think I did, um she has wings uh-huh. but i also think she ends up being your mother like when you complete the game yeah. it's really yeah so i think uh she's looking after you and i think it might be like a rite of passage is the entire story of the um uh, Rodland, and I think something horrible happens to your mother at the end, or something like that, or she she is dead and she's actually an angel or something. Um, I mean, the, the true connoisseurs will, I'm sure, be on Twitter absolutely, um, you know, berating us. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's something along those lines. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't have anything more to really say about Rodland. Any questions about Rodland from from you, Farley? There was a Game Boy version. <clears throat> That's not a question. Was there a Game Boy version? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we also played Rodlands, and it was, it was one of those ones that um, uh, ended up being, you know, one of the fixed slot co-op games because it was just so good. Yeah. Uh, and, and like you were saying at the beginning, the... Uh, structure of each level, so you know, once you finish a level, you'd to scroll up. There'd always be a different challenge to it. So I remember one of the levels, um, there's just a whole bunch of bad guys who just are in floating in midair, and so they just drop, and all you you've got to do is just go bam, 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 them as quickly as possible. <laughs> so, so, it, so it had that. It did have that that uh, bubble, bubble kind of challenge to it in the. You know the enemies and the level. It was kind of a you know a strategy or best strategy to try and do it. And then, as we mentioned earlier, you wanted to do it quickly before they turned into um, uh, super fast evil versions, which made it yeah. ten times harder. Um, yeah, good game. Yeah. Do you remember the polymorphs, the weird sea cucumber things? Uh, yeah, they look like little tremors with the bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like the, wow. the, a ring of ring of teeth. Yeah, creepy, creepy design. I just love the fact that there's this disgusting little tremor with the teeth, mini sarlacc pit, uh, <laughs> yeah. but with a bow. Yeah, with a little, with a little crazy bow. Japanese man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, what's your third and final um, game? So my, my last shout out game uh it was difficult to pick so it's from the dizzy series um, oh so i really liked uh the dizzy games uh i think we played so we had desert island dizzy 
Magic Land Dizzy and Treasure Dizzy. Island Dizzy, not Desert Island oh, is it Dizzy. Tre- oh, no, it's Treasure Island. I always get confused because it's Treasure Island Fantasy World Magic Land. <laughs> yeah. All of them are very. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. There was also um, Dizzy Panic, which was a. Oh, there was rock. millions of Dizzy games. There was like. Um, there was fast food dizzy. There was dizzy down the rapids. There was like, like there was a lot of cash in. There weren't like official dizzy games. They were um, they were uh, oh god. They, they were the equivalent of uh, uh, non canonical <laughs> side games. But yeah, sorry, yeah. go on. <laughs> from the from the dizzy video game universe. Um, so Treasure Island was the first one. That we played and again i think it's just one of these burned discs and then i think we actually bought a couple of the other ones and they used to come with little trading cards i still got two of the trading cards that they came with god knows if anyone got a full set because uh, they were quite expensive to buy these games and i think they were random cards per, per game um <laughs> yeah. but the one that spent most time on i think was fantasy world um fantasy world dizzy uh so as you don't know it's a really challenging um <laughs> puzzle platformer uh, so Dizzy <laughs> was an egg uh, and it was super fragile so if you touched an enemy fell on spikes, fell too far you uh, you die uh, and then you go around collecting different items to give to different people to, 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 to collect whatever the collectible is um, in that particular game again the soundtrack to these is phenomenal i spent a huge <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> I spent a huge amount of time trying to find uh specific soundtracks um for fantasy world dizzy and treasure island dizzy um because so the soundtrack to, to, to many of these games were excellent um and i spent a lot of time trying to find those soundtracks online because of course Back in the day, unless you were a elite hacker like yourself, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you know you didn't have YouTube. And the only way you could experience these soundtracks was by putting in the game and playing them, uh, or trying to record the music with a tape, which um, was never that good. Sound quality was awful. No, not but at because, all. <laughs> but because these games were released on so many of their different Amigas and Commodores, and I think some of them were even. Specky games. Yeah, um, yeah. Really no, hard. I mean the original ones were on on Spectrum and ported. It's really to, a, yeah. hard to find the specific, you know, uh, format because they redid the soundtracks for all of them because of the different sound cards or whatever. Um, so I've got a whole raft of uh, YouTube videos, including um, the rolling. Uh, what do you call it? You know, when you sit on the title screen and it will go through something. Oh, rolling. yeah, it goes... Th- yeah, yeah, rolling credits. I don't know. There's, there's a name, yeah, there's a name yeah. for those. Um, and so on Fancy World Dizzy, there was just this little, tiny little rift in the soundtrack, which was just, I don't know, made my spine tingle. So I spent hours just sat on the title screen waiting for this uh, <laughs> little bit of music to come up every five minutes or whatever. So yeah, I really enjoyed those. I still remember some of this. So uh, Treasure Island Dizzy... Eggs on legs gave you invincibility, I think. And I can fly was another cheat, which which. Oh wow! Putting in the cheat code, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then you could actually 
explore the level that you couldn't get past because it was uh, quite solid. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Shout out for all the Dizzy games. But Fantasy World Dizzy, I think, was, was the one that I actually got all the way through uh, and liked the most. Yeah, I, I, I think Fantasy World Dizzy. I mean, I played them on the Commodore 64 again. There's, there seems to be a theme to this fucking podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, also shout out to uh, to Doppelganger and his worst moments in video games. Uh-huh. Um, and he was playing um, Treasure Island Dizzy. He'd got all thirty coins, um, and this was on the Spectrum. And he was about to hand them in when his cousin thought it'd be funny. What does the letter Q do? And in those days, it just quit the game. <laughs> This is really, really, really horrible. So he just lost all of that progress. You know, he probably spent a long time collecting all of those coins, staying alive, and then some prick just comes in and presses Q. Game over. Take you to the to the rolling screen at the start. Yeah. Yeah. The awesome soundtrack kicks in. Uh, I don't know where Dizzy's sit. I'm surprised. Codemasters still exists, right? Fairly. Well, um, I kind of know the story behind it. It's not very interesting. Codemasters still exists, but um, the it was the Oliver twins that did um, did uh, Dizzy, and um, basically they did like the first few Dizzies, and then everything else was sort of outsourced. Um, and I don't think anybody cared about them anymore I mean by the time I was playing the Amiga I remember there was one that came out uh, Prince of the Yoke Folk um, and oh, by that oh, time yeah. I, I was just thinking I don't care because it looked like they, they went all Sonic on it and we were sort of turning all of his dizzy egg friends into you know cash inable characters and stuff like that um <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, di- I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't play it. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I have fond memories of of uh, Treasure Island and Fantasy World and Magic Land Dizzy, but they were fucking tough as nails, and they were again the the usual classic example of what we started this whole podcast off of with is. The up and diagonal jumping, the number of times you would take that stupid fucking egg with his sort of repeated boxing glove um, standing animation where he's just looking at you and waggling the boxing gloves. And then you would try to do a jump, but instead he would just jump directly up into the air, do a somersault and then land again. When in fact what you wanted to do was do the diagonal jump. (laughs) You know what I mean, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was what I was thinking of when we talked earlier. When you just yeah, he'd run up a cliff into some spikes uh, or into some water rather than. I, and doing it, that. it really was harsh, like because everything was on like one screen, and then you would move from <laughs> one screen to the next. You'd move to the next screen, and then you would just die because a thing arrived, and like because you didn't know, you're dead. You know, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like right, okay. Or, or you- or you'd have you'd, you'd be on the top right of the screen. You would jump, which would take you up into the like a screen that was above, 
and then you kind of make a trajectory through that and then go down so then you'd be into the next <laughs> so you sometimes you would just blindly yeah you know, jump falling in fact the yeah there was i think it was in something in magic land where you have to jump off a mountain and you fall down through like four or five screens before you land somewhere and if you land wrong it'll be like onto uh, a flame and they're yeah. like, oh no you're a fried egg you lose a life and like, oh, fuck yeah off. Mm. yeah um i don't know i don't i don't think uh we live in a world where dizzy needs to make a comeback do you uh, a collection would be great i think yeah straight yeah okay, straight, okay yeah yeah straight remakes you know uh update the controls and the graphics redo the sound yeah all easy jobs <laughs> that you can just do in half an afternoon uh and then and then release them as a as a nice bundle that'd be fine but yeah i don't think we need a 3d dizzy or <laughs> or uh i don't know there's a there's an interesting because we did all our research beforehand and absolutely not doing it live there's a <laughs> section on on the dizzy wikipedia page about remakes and revival attempts um where uh they said they're willing but they'd have to do it right and that was back in 2005 <laughs> okay 2010, they the Oliver Twins rediscovered the code for several lost NES games that they did in the 90s that were never published, and they subsequently released them. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, so uh, Mystery World Dizzy, a remake of Final Fantasy World Dizzy, was released on the 8th of April. Sorry, 2000. Final Fantasy World Dizzy. <laughs> Final Fantasy World Dizzy. <laughs> That's yeah, well, that's that's why I asked about Codemasters. You know, I don't know if, uh, if there's you know Dizzy ever popped up in the in the background of a Colin McRae game or, or something. <laughs> sort of like when you do an uppercut, Dizzy <laughs> appears yeah, in the corner. Dizzy, yeah, Dizzy comes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there we go. Dizzy games coming out in Nez Nez Dizzy games coming out in 2017. Who knew? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Fine. That's a thing. What's right. Your last your My last three? one is The Settlers. Oh. You know that one? Yes, I do. So it's a medieval setting. Um, and I think it was like the beginning of those sort of uh, god game slash sort of... Uh, was the word I'm looking for command and conquer type games real so, time strategy yeah real time strategy there was a level of that yeah absolutely so the whole concept behind that is you're sort of uh, you've got a land you build a castle you build ugh, stone collectors you get people who cut down trees you get people who get water people who make food and then ultimately what you want to do is try and create uh, an army um, of well-fed um, but well-constructed houses um, before you invade the other computer AI version <laughs> that is doing exactly the same thing as you but hopefully shitter. Um, and it was great at the time. You know, when I was a kid... 
I, I probably spent hours and hours and hours, which, you know, felt like an eternity when you were a kid as well, you know, um, just sort of building up and amassing these forces and, you know, you would learn new things as well. I think it was one of these ones that I had that was hooky as well. And, um, like, as you're playing through the game, you find out, oh, right, I need to do a geological survey of the rocks before I can find out what the you know what's the point in building a mill uh, sorry not a mill a mine here if you don't know what you're gonna actually be mining and it took me quite a few games before I realized all right this mine is not producing anything why not because <laughs> you need to do a fucking survey before it you know and that sort of stuff um and I yeah like I spent a lot of time on that one and I had a lot of time for it I remember it quite fondly um, and yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about real-time strategy games as well, and I think it was probably quite flawed, and it is flawed by today's standards. You can actually find it for the PC. It's abandonware nowadays as well, so it's uh, nobody's like looking at it. And there are sequels to it and all that sort of stuff, but just thinking about how much fun I had with them and how much I don't want to play a current one. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah we talked, I was thinking exactly yeah. that. We talked about Command and Conquer, talked about Settlers, and as you were saying that, I was like, I don't, I don't have a desire in me to play an RTS. <laughs> no, I, I only, like, um, I have StarCraft 2, and I've only got so far in it, and every time I think about StarCraft 2, I think, yeah, that was a good game, creating all of that sort of <laughs> stuff and doing this. And then I also remember how fucking stressful it is as well like starcraft is a really stressy game you, you you're you're you, you think you're just going to be like building a few buildings and it's all fun blah 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 but you're not you're you're doing things as quick as you can you know like fucking mine the crystals faster i need to upgrade this thing and oh if I, do i make the decision to make a barracks or should i put up a you know a, a sentry post just in case the enemy comes and then oh no the enemies come i've got to make all my buildings fly away and you just you end up so stressed and you think that is not what this game is you know like but obviously you know it has its place in the world but uh i i think i'm very aware that these rts's can be a stressy minefield. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and with uh, you know that top level play, it's all measured in in you know basically the first however many minutes of the game, there is a efficiency curve, and the quicker you are at like click 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 click, um, the better you can start to get starting to get go get going. Um, I think that's that's the one extreme of kind of RTSs and then you also have things like Civ which uh, you know I've got a couple of friends who are really into Civ uh, and you know week long games and, and the classic just another turn thing so you know leery eyed up at 3 o'clock in the morning and just have another turn which is a little bit more relaxed um, yeah yeah about but like I've seen some of the pictures from Civ and other games like that, and it's just like I don't understand what the hell all of these things on the screen mean, you know. And it looks really, really in depth, and it's just like 
I don't have the time to like learn an interface because uh, that's what it feels and looks like. You know, it's just an interface for all of these different means of incomes and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, oh god! But then the other flip side of that is I actually did install. Um, the settlers and had a little go at it and then it was like oh man this is interface is awful um, you know you couldn't move about everything was unintuitive and like, oh, I can understand why we have much newer and prettier and better interfaces and things like that but there's like there's other games I just wouldn't go back to uh, on those sort of um, RTSs did you play black and white No, I watched Randy McSparren play a lot of black and white. Okay, yeah. I, I don't think I could ever go back to black, black and white again. Not interested in that at all. I went I went I think I went more into the Advanced Wars Fire Emblem side of things. Yeah, I mean those as RTSs are, are, are yeah. turn based RTSs, are they not? Yeah. Yeah, is, so that that changes things, yeah. A whole yeah, a whole level of Okay, you know, I can see what, and, and okay, you know, of course, most of them, so it's the same with the uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses has it, you have, you also have a rewind system, right, and I know oh, okay. rewind system <laughs> quite a number of times, so it's a little bit less, a little bit more forgiving uh, if you do make a, you know, a cock up or, or you've just made a slight miscalculation and somebody's exposed and and it's 50 50 as to whether they'll die or not and they do and then oh fuck okay because it's a permanent death um so yeah turn based fine but the real time ones i'm absolutely with you i do find those uh i do i do find those stressors because it's just that constant feeling of i'm not doing this efficiently enough <laughs> right um, and on top of that at any second now i could get attacked by the the computer and and sometimes like in these games you spend so long like creating this massive bunker and you're just like oh god thank god i've never not been attacked uh, in you know three hours or whatever um and then when you finally go in for the attack you see that there's just like one guy you know one you know <laughs> somebody chopping down trees and you know the base has been destroyed by a scout party that you didn't even realize you'd done and you're just like oh Okay. There was, there was, um, there was something you, I don't know if I talked about it when we mentioned Command and Conquer Two, but the AI they had on the PlayStation um, was just broken. So they took it. So somehow, possibly, you know, through through computer cheating, uh, very early on they they'd managed to mass produce quite a big armies. So so you know you're still setting shit up and you know you're still just getting your troops together and and advancing your tech to get. The tanks and stuff, and, and they just, in waves of enemies will come. But then, if you manage to sit through those, weather those initial raids, the AI just kind of gave up. So yeah, as you'd say, once <laughs> once you'd once you'd amassed, you know, ridiculous size army, um, and you had like a standing army to protect your base, and you'd march into their base, and and it was kind of like the Mary Celeste, you know, they'd gone a bit weird, you know, they, they like, just <laughs> built <laughs> built four hundred silos. Uh, and there was one ore truck out, and like a dog, a man, and then a tank. <laughs> one tank in the top right-hand corner of the map. Um, you just spent ages hunting for. You know, okay. Um, I was more threatened by the 
imagined threat of the enemy than there are. Exactly, that's the thing. Like, you're like, oh, fuck, do I have the right, you know, uh, amount of people? Okay, they haven't attacked me yet. Maybe I'll do all of the upgrades, get up to the top, top level, and then you go in for the attack, and you're just, you just wipe the floor over them, and you're like, oh, right. Maybe there's a better way to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I don't think there's much more to say about the settlers. I enjoyed it. It had like a million levels in it, um, but it was pointless. Just play the, you know, the first one, and you get all of the things that you could ever need in it. Um, yeah. So I think um, that's our three, mm-hmm. um, or six in total. Um, any honourable mentions from your side? Charles? Yeah, that's your. A roll call, and it's mostly just games that I remember. So, IK Plus, which we've talked about before, uh, Nitro Boost, Chase HQ. Did you ever play that? Chase HQ, I played that in the Mega Drive, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Hybris, I mentioned. James Pond, one, James two, Pond, Robocod, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alien Breed, uh, there's a really good uh, yep. isometric Pac Man. Oh, um, okay. I mean, Alien Breed, that, that that came out again, uh, what was it, about five, ten years ago. They brought all yes. of them out again uh, on, the, on the 360. Yeah. Yep. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Double Dragon, Golden Axe. Um, again, Flight those are all Mega Drives. <laughs> for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, North <laughs> and South, which is a Civil War... Uh, oh, that, that rings a bell, yeah. Real-time strategy game, but but when you enter the battle, you then you then uh, it becomes a turn-based thing. Yeah, well, no, it becomes yeah. a, it becomes a, a real-time action thing where you've got your cavalry cannons and your men, and then sometimes yeah. there'll be like a, a bridge that separates them, and you kind of take it in turns to, to kind of go through. Say, okay, I'm gonna you know march this battalion of guys. That was really good. Uh, Forgotten Worlds, extremely difficult. Remind me what Forgotten Worlds was. Forgotten Worlds was kind of um, like, I want to say Contra, but you were sci-fi spacemen and you could fly. So you could walk on the ground. You could also Uh. fly and shoot in 360 uh, 360 degrees. Really tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Mega Drive as well. Uh, fun score. <laughs> we, used to, we played all the fun scores. They were fun. And um, I'm basing a score with these little games. And then lastly on my list was Cannon Fodder. Yeah, I mean, I almost made it to my list of, of the the games, but it just seemed too... Uh, yeah, it was too much of a low-hanging fruit to sort of talk about it. Um <laughs> But yeah, Cannon Fodder was a great game. I remember being super impressed that it had a theme tune. I thought that was yeah. really, really cool. You know, just... Uh, um, and, um, yeah, just, like, having the computer singing at you. Um, and it was, it was a fun little game. I don't think it stands the test of time. Do you? Yeah, I don't. No, I, my memories of it, uh, I think, are better than... Of what it actually looks like. But I do. I did like 
you know, your home screen, which would show you all the gravestones from men who die. Another, another one that kind of tries to tug on your heartstrings when, yeah, uh, <laughs> when your characters get knocked out. Um, cannon potter. Oh, and Space Hulk. I used to play a ton of Space Hulk. Um, which was an adaptation of the board game, the Games Workshop board game. Uh, oh, okay. And that has that has been updated and re-released. I've got that on the. I played that on the PlayStation Four. That was really hard. But that was really scary as well. In a yeah. primitive graphics kind of way. How about you? Any other honourable mentions? Um, well, we did actually mention a few of them: Rainbow Island, um, yeah, Another World. Um, Cannon Forward was also on my honourable mentions as well. Um, a couple of other games that just uh, I wanted to touch on as well. There was one which I played called Perihelion. I don't know if that rings a bell with you at all. No. It's uh, it was part of a subgenre of Amiga games, which were basically hyper D and D style games. Oh, where yeah. You where you used to get lots of them. Like I think Might and Magic, in fact, sort of came from the Amiga as well. Um, where you would just go really, really in-depth into character creation. And when I say character creation, it wasn't very good. Uh, it was like you set all of your stats, and then you had secondary stats that you would set numbers for. Um, and you could even like custom what your character face looked like. Um, and I remember really getting excited about Perihelion because of a an Amiga magazine review. And I'm like, wow, you can spend forever on this. It's so detailed. They spent so much time on this, blah, blah, blah. And you could you could spend a lot of time um, on this game where you were just like, you know, setting all of your D&D stats to a ridiculous level. You would start the game. Everything was orange or silver. If you Google an image of Perihelion on the Amiga, everything is either orange or silver. And so I was like as their brand and I just remember it uh, very vividly because it's kind of like Alien 3 where everything is fucking orange you know um, <laughs> but um, yeah with uh, with Perihelion you would do that and then you would get into the main screen and there was quite a few games like this or at least ones that I have uh, a memory of I think Dune as well did it as well where you would just you would be given a set standard pixel arty background, which was very, very pretty and all that sort of thing. Um, but this pixel arty background, you would basically sort of move left or right and it would sort of change to be like the side of the street. It wasn't like a 3D sort of thing, but you would sort of move around from location to location and it would have the set standard backdrop pixel art background. Um, and Perihelion was that. Eventually, you would get to the game, which was uh, a terrible, uh, <laughs> what is it called? Uh, probably turn-based uh, RTS. Uh, but yeah, that is all that game was. Um, it was very, very in-depth. It was very pretty, but I couldn't get into it. But like I was saying, there was just quite a few games like that. There was fantasy ones. There was this one, which was like high sci-fi fantasy. Um, and um, yeah, things like Dune and stuff like that were, were also quite, <laughs> quite like yeah. that. Um, 
but um, yeah, I'm sure you played some of those ones as well, but you probably didn't spend forever on them. <laughs> um, other other ones that we wanted to mention, Beneath a Steel Sky, of course, um, oh, yeah. which just had its re-release or its sequel made. Um, there was a platformer called Super Putty, which again has also been re-released as well, uh, which oh, is a very yeah. obscure one. Um, which uh, you're just a sort of ball and you move around and you can sort of because you're stretchy you can do certain things and I think it might have actually been one of these ones that was sponsored like Zoe with Chubba Chups <laughs> yeah. uh, by Silly Putty which was a thing when we were yeah, yeah. you know kids yeah um, um, Another World which we, we talked about uh, and Sort of lastly, one that I wanted to mention, which was quite early on in the um, Amiga, uh, what's it called, the Amiga generation, as it were, was McDonald's Land. Did you ever oh, yeah. hear of or play it? Yeah, it's yeah. um, yeah, it was a that was a special kind of platform, and you, it was special in that you could like run to the ends of platforms and you turn the world upside down but all the gravity would change so you could actually end up sort of falling off rather than falling down off the screen you fall up off the screen and die um, and, and yeah it was quite an interesting one and I just I actually had quite fond memories of it despite it being you know clearly McDonald's cash in um, fond memories of like exploring it and finding hidden blocks and uh, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, as honourable mentions go, that's all I really wanted to mention for the Amiga. Um, one more has just come to mind. Brutal football. Brutal football? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? I I was one of these people that actually quite liked Sensible World of Soccer as well. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Soccer. So what was Brutal yeah. Football? Uh, brutal Football was... Imagine American football, but you play uh, like everyone's a very generic um, Viking, but you could, you know, stomp each other and take each other out uh, in order to score uh, touchdowns. So that'd be another one that we'd. Okay, um, is it like sort of blood bowl sort of thing? Yeah, it is. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like blood bowl. I think there's. I don't know if it's a copy of another game, which is similar. Oh God! And there's a book. <laughs> there's a book okay. coming out, <laughs> which covers a lot of these early Amiga developers. And there's a really good interview about the other game that was like this, that was very popular, and people are probably screaming at us. The game's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember. Um, but anyway, whichever one came first, whichever one was better, brutal football was the one that we that we ended up playing with. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, well, I think let's uh, let's wrap it up on Amiga and our, our Amiga. trip down nostalgia. Um, yeah. Yeah. Until next time. Say goodbye, Farley. Just. Just. Bye bye.